this episode contains some oh my god how do i say it (laughs) this episode contains discussions and references to self-harm and suicide so we just wanted to put a trigger warning in beforehand so if that is sensitive information or a sensitive topic for you be warned and we also just wanted to throw in there that if you are struggling or know someone who's struggling we wanted to throw in the suicide prevention lifeline which is a easy three-digit code you can enter in your phone at 988 and you can get someone live who can talk to you or someone you care about and just do like a welfare check so there, we'll add some resources on our Instagram as well for you all and just wanted to give you that warning. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Box Office Brunch. We're your hosts. I'm David. And I'm Rita. And we're back. <laughs> happy new year happy new year welcome to 2023 oh god i forgot that it was 2023 <laughs> i'm still in 2022 yeah well you had a good 2022 yeah i did not <laughs> why you bought a house well yeah but i had all my health issues oh so it, it could have been worse yeah true yeah it was mixed yours was like really good though i quit my job and started a new job. You started mm-hmm. down a new career path. Mm-hmm. I would argue that I work harder now than I did before, though. Yeah, I told you that was going to happen. Yeah, I'm constantly busy. Yeah. Ask David. But mentally and everything, it's way better for you. It's not I as could... mentally taxing, but it definitely yeah. takes up a lot more of my time. Yeah. Then. But it's not as like it's soul not like, sucking. Yeah. So mm-hmm. congratulations on your you, 2022. Thanks. You still have to give me eight to ten business days. <laughs> to make plans with me but i tell people like three months oh I do for it three me? months in advance yeah oh like, we need to plan stuff <laughs> oh like we need to plan yeah like I with know. rachel i was like yeah. we need to get something on the books for your birthday in march because if we don't then you're gonna get booked out yeah i know and then i was like please throw out dates and rachel's like bless your heart you think i'm busy and i'm like no like you need to throw out dates because Otherwise, like, I, well, that's yeah. why I told her. I, that's why I sent that gif about like humpy birthday. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, it's for, do something for your birthday. Yeah. So. so, anyways, what are we reviewing today? Well, we should talk about the season. Yeah. So, we've been talking about it for a while, but now we're going to start doing seasons and we're going to just try to be a little bit less strict on ourselves. And we already kind of took this less strict route for the podcast itself and the contents of the podcast and the editing and everything. And so we're going to go into these seasons where they're sort of going to go for an indefinite amount of time. We'll know before we start the season, but it's not like every season is going to be four episodes or every season is going to be two months or whatever. We're going to do kind of however much time we feel like that season (coughs) deserves. And we're going to try to give it that much time. And then we're going to take a break try not to get burnt out so our first season is on robin williams movies yes so we have selected eight movies Mm -hmm. we won't tell you what they are right now no (laughs) but we have eight movies so two months worth of content and today we're doing mrs doubtfire yay which is a classic for both of us we both grew up with this movie there's a lot of nostalgia with it (laughs) yeah and then i also just think that robin williams is probably one of the actors that has meant the most to me Mm -hmm. growing up 
and I text Rita because I was watching all the previews and trailers for the movies that we're going to review and I was getting like really emotional. (laughs) So I'm going to try not to get too emotional for this episode or any of the episodes going forward because I have issues, Rita. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, this is something that does hit very close to home for both of us, I think. Yeah. And so we're really hoping, if you saw our Instagram post, we're really hoping that we're able to do this man justice because he deserves it. I think that he has his career and his comedy and everything have really touched a lot of people and meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. So today we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. Heck yeah. What a way to start. Yeah. So. <laughs> and what did we do? Oh, for pre- right. <laughs> David's a hot mess. I'm a hot mess this oh. morning. Uh, <clears throat> today we actually made our own brunch. We made some. A we. David did. <laughs> I sat here. Rita buttered cold. some croissants though. <laughs> that sounds like inappropriate. <laughs> no, Rita buttered did. those croissants. Yeah. So we made some like bacon egg and cheese croissants except i forgot to put cheese on mine david was like a hot mess like he pulls out the eggs and he's like how long are eggs good for (laughs) and i'm like well what's the sell by date he's like november 12th and i'm like uh no we did not use those by the way and then he's like what about december 12th and so then we looked up the water trick with the eggs so hopefully we didn't just give ourselves food poisoning yeah we cooked all the bacteria out of them anyways (laughs) so it's fine and then yeah he's like how long does bacon take to bake and i'm like I didn't ask you that. I just looked it up. Yeah, but you said it out loud while you were Googling it. And I was like, oh, this is going to... I think he underestimated how long this would I did. take him. I did. <laughs> but I also have been literally burned in the past cooking bacon on the stove. So I will not do it again. It's actually... I think it's better in the I oven. think it's better in the That's oven. That's the only way I cook bacon. Plus, I, I bought these like... They're like cooling racks, but also cooking racks. Yeah. So that definitely helps with cooking bacon. Also, just... Then your house doesn't smell like bacon. I beg bacon. to differ. <laughs> My house Greece. definitely smelled. Because that bacon was so smoky. Yeah, but it's not as bad as if you were to do it in a frying pan. True, true. So. Plus, we put a little brown sugar on it to make it a little little candied. So it was like crispy. That's only because it smelled like shit. But I also like doing that anyways. I like candied bacon. I know, but it smells really smoky. It was, yeah. Just when we were putting Yuck. it on the rack, it was it disgusting. Smelled so but it was smoky. delicious. It wasn't disgusting. Yeah, it turned out really, really well, actually. And we have mimosas and coffee. Yeah. And that's, that's really it. That's it. So get your shit. Let's go. Well, since this is a Robin Williams season, we should probably talk about him. Yeah, so I wanted to just give a little bit of information about the man himself before we go into the movies and and everything. So Robin Williams was born July 21st, 1951. He was obviously a comedian and actor. He was very well known for his impressions and that's improv. Yeah. Big improv. He's widely regarded as one of the greatest comedians of all time, just kind of across the board. He, you know, he was who he was. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of you didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he was just 
he was obviously not just a comedian. He had a ton of dramatic roles that were critically acclaimed. He was a great actor. And so we're going we're gonna to not just do comedic movies. We're going to talk about some of his more serious movies, some of which I haven't even seen before, but I know are good. So okay. Robin Williams started by doing stand-up comedy in California in the 70s. And then he kind of rose to fame. I think his first role where he started getting known was Mork and Mindy, which was a TV show where he played an alien. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he went on to have like a very successful acting career. Yeah. And I think he continued doing stand up. I don't know for how long, but I'm, I imagine for a good portion of that, he was also doing stand up. He won a ton of awards, Emmys, Tonys. Like, he won a Tony? No. <laughs> a Tony's for musicals. Yeah, he won Emmys, Golden Globes, Green Actors Guild Awards, Grammys. So he did a lot in his time. And unfortunately, uh, we lost him too soon. He passed away in 2014 at the age of 63 by suicide. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I don't think it was like an unknown thing that he suffered from depression in his life. And I think that's one of the things that's like the saddest is a lot of the times depression is masked by comedy and people are trying to put on a front to make every make it seem like everything's okay but behind the scenes they're suffering and robin williams was suffering more than we knew obviously his autopsy came back and showed that he was uh undiagnosed with lewy body dementia which is a awful awful disease where i mean it's dementia but that specific kind of dementia causes it causes problems with like sleep and cognition and so it's almost behavioral not, stuff. Suicide is always very tragic, but right. I think it's even more tragic because he probably didn't know what was going on with him. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, if he had this undiagnosed thing, he was probably just suffering and didn't know what was going on. We don't know how much the Lewy body dementia played into his suicide and stuff i'm sure it played a factor in his like reasoning and judgment and stuff like that but we'll never know yeah and it's just it is i know like a lot of people in our in my life during that time when it all went down and i was pretty shaken up by it i think a lot of people were i remember i had people in my life who were like he's just he's a celebrity like it doesn't matter but i think it does matter because yeah I think the stigma around mental health is still pretty big. Absolutely. I mean, I've definitely had conversations with people about how this these like parasocial relationships that people have with celebrities nowadays, especially with social media and everything. It's it's a little weird when people are so connected to these celebrities that have no idea who you are and stuff. But this was one where I like I got it like this hit me. This is pr- mm-hmm. probably like the one celebrity death. I'll hear about celebrities that I like dying or something. And it's sad. It's always sad. But this is one that hit me like personally. Yeah. And I guess so- the other thing to mention is if you yourself are struggling with those things, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. And the there is a suicide helpline, uh, 988, if you dial that or you can go online and like chat with somebody online. Absolutely. Um, there are tons of resources and people who can help you out. And I think that that's what I hope to convey through these episodes is that a lot of people don't realize how much of a light they are to the people yeah. that care about them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Anyways. So 
yeah, we're going <laughs> to talk about this guy. But also, like, I hope everybody can find hope in these episodes and know that, like, they're not alone and that, you know, he brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people. And absolutely. absolutely. Um, it's a shame he couldn't find that for himself. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. It's just, you know, you're not alone. Talk mm-hmm. to somebody. Reach out to somebody. It's it's always worth a try. Yeah. I mean, when the alternative is nothing. Well, and r- check in on your people too. Right. You know. Yeah. Like sometimes the happiest people, the ones who are the ones who seem very put together, may may be struggling. So it's always yeah. meaningful when someone reaches out to check in. Yeah. And I think that that bring, brings us back to Mrs. Doubtfire because the model the place where I got emotional during this movie was his monologue at the end when she's when his wife is watching his show and he's talking about he's answering a question from like a a listener Mm -hmm. or a viewer who emailed in or mailed in whatever it was about like my parents are getting divorced like what do I do and he's like as long as you have love everything's gonna be okay yeah you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta move on. We gotta start talking about the funny parts of this movie before we before we uh um we're both yeah just, like, and just blubbering messes. But yes, um just just remember, you know, that there's there's everyone has a purpose in this world. Right. And life is hard and times are hard and stuff, but And even when you feel like you don't matter, you matter to somebody. Yeah. You matter. That should be our slogan. You matter. You matter. <laughs> So, um, so we'll get into the facts. Yes. And then, so what are the facts? So Mrs. Doubtfire was released November 24th, 1993. Uh, it's about. I was two. I was three at this point. Are you old? Yeah. Because <laughs> this was after my birthday. In yeah. 1990. So the synopsis, this is about. I don't know why I keep saying this is about because it doesn't lead into the synopsis very well (laughs) for the synopsis. After a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. (laughs) They're not held in custody by their own (laughs) against their own will or whatever. It really does sound kind of interesting. They, They got divorced. She got full custody because he's like unemployed and whatever. So. And this was directed by Chris Columbus. Yeah, he which... also did Home Alone 1 and 2, Bicentennial Man. Harry first Potter. and second Harry Potter's yep. Rent, and then the first Percy Jackson movie. Those are like the notable ones that I yeah. saw. There yeah. were some others like Stepmom with like Julia Roberts. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. It's that sad. one's sad. It's sad. <laughs> Speaking of sad. Yeah. And then the cast is Robin Williams as Daniel Hillard slash Mrs. Doubtfire. Sally Field as Miranda Hillard. Pierce Brosnan as Stu Dunmeyer, Harvey Fierstein as Frank Hillard. Daniel's brother. Yes. Polly Holiday as Gloria. She's the next door neighbor. Yep. Lisa Jacob as Lydia Hillard, which is his daughter. Matthew Lawrence as Chris Hillard, his son. Mara Wilson as Natalie Hillard. You might know her from Matilda. Matilda, yeah. Which actually, I read a fun fact that Blake Lively made it to the finals for... Playing Natalie, yeah. which is pretty cool because I didn't really know much about Blake Lively until she was older. Right. Gossip girl, really. Yes. I know that she was in some other stuff. But I didn't that. know she was active as a child. Yeah. Robert Prosky as Mr. Lundy. That's Daniel's boss. Mm-hmm. Anne Haney as Mrs. Selner. That's the court appointed liaison yeah, person who checks, in, checks on him. 
And then there were some random people as well, but nothing. The only other one I put was Scott Capuro, which is Jack, who is Frank's partner. Mm -hmm. And I don't, they don't make it clear if they're like married, but they're definitely a couple. So he's like basically Daniel's brother-in-law. Yeah. So that is the cast. And then did you have box office info or do you want me to? Yeah, I didn't put it down. I put the section and then I forgot to put the information in there. That's fine. Because I, so pretty much what's worth noting is that this made a lot of fucking money. A lot of money. Holy shit. So I don't know why it's not pulling up for me right now. I think oh, okay. I so it was like it was, 441 so million. So the budget was 25 million. Yeah. But the box office was 441.3 million. So that's yeah. total box office. But then I thought it was pretty interesting. I it's this is very long-winded so you guys can just fast forward, but I thought I thought that I fought I, I fought. thought <laughs> this was very interesting. So it was talking about the release of it in other Is this about the rating? It, it's talking about the box office that it hit in other countries. And I thought oh, it was okay. really interesting because the film earned $219 million in the United States and Canada and $222 million in other countries for a worldwide total of 441 mm. Making it Fox's highest grossing film internationally at the time and the highest grossing cross-dressing film, which I oh, found interesting. interesting. One of the things I saw was that it was like one of the highest grossing films of 1993. Yeah, so it became the second highest grossing film of 93 behind only Jurassic Park. Oh, um, stiff competition. And it's estimated that the film sold over 52.6 million tickets in the United States. Oh. It had a record opening for Fox in the United Kingdom with 5.8 million in six days and the third best in the country after Jurassic Park and Dracula and went on to gross 30.1 million, which is another Fox record. It had the second biggest opening in Italy, also behind Jurassic Park with 2.9 million. And it also grossed a record for Fox in Italy with 15.6 million. Um, we'll have to talk about Jurassic Park at some point, yeah. too, because that was kind of a phenomenon. Too. Yeah. It also had record openings for Fox in France, Belgium, Hungary, and Denmark. It grossed 29.6 million in Germany. And the film was number one at the Australian box office and Japanese box office for nine consecutive weeks. Wow. So I thought it was like really interesting that. It wasn't just a hit here. It was a hit right. all over the world. And this isn't like a cult classic that like became famous <laughs> right. afterwards. This right. was like a smash hit yeah. at the time. So I thought that that was really, really awesome. So I actually have some fun facts to piggyback off of that about the production and the release because it's really interesting that it managed to do so well because it did have some problems on its initial release. So in January 1994, when released in the UK, the film received a certificate of 12, which at the time completely refused access to children under the age of 12 at cinemas. The 12A certificate did not exist until 2002. This resulted in cinemas requesting that their local authorities requesting their local authorities to override the decision of the British Board of Film Classification after having to turn down a lot of disappointed families. Later in February, The Independent reported that the censors refused to give the film a U or PG certificate and gave it a 12 instead, which was due to the 20th Century Fox refusing to remove three controversial lines. I I don't know exactly what they are. I'm not you know, there's lines in here where I'm not surprised. I think one of them might be the one where he's getting dressed up and he looks like Booby and he makes a comment about chicken skins, but then he Oh, maybe. The joke he makes is about foreskin. 
Mm. If you catch on to it. Well, there was like also that. the line at the restaurant where he's like talking about the the bracelet being a down payment. And then he makes all those like in, sexual innuendos. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But after the film's distributors requested the BBFC to reconsider, a compromise was reached and the film was re-rated PG with just one of the proposed three cuts implemented involving the removal of 13 seconds featuring sexual innuendos. The other two cuts would have removed just some of the innuendo and it was re-released on May 1994. It's crazy in the 90s. What was, I don't know. I just, there's so much that went over my head as a child. Yeah, that absolutely. I, I don't think children really picked up on any of that. No, but it's just funny that it had such like, a crazy successful release even with all of this drama about the rating and people literally being turned away yeah so uh one of the kind of piggybacking off of that sorry this is a little long but over 13 minutes of scenes were omitted from the final cut of the film some of which were featured in the 2008 dvd release uh, which was called behind the seams edition which i thought was (laughs) funny it had scenes had the scenes been included, the film would have run 157 minutes. Wow. That's fucking long. That's like not as long as almost, Avatar. That's like two and a half hours almost. Not as long as Avatar. But in 1993, yeah. that's long. That's long now. <laughs> that's long now, yeah. Apparently, these scenes also included an entire subplot featuring Daniel's conflict with the neighbor, <laughs> Gloria. <laughs> there was like, I, I didn't put it all in, but there was stuff about him like killing her flowers by like spraying dog pee on them and stuff. Oh, dang. Yeah. And I can come back to the rest later when we get down to the fun facts. Okay. I did have some stuff about the casting. I did have the Blake Lively unsuccessfully auditioned for the role of Natalie. But she was pretty successful. She made it to the final. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Beatty uh, was Anne Fine's first. She was one of the writers, I think, uh, was the first choice to play Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel Hillard. And then Tim Allen was also offered the role of not just Daniel, but also Stu and turned them both down. Yeah, I really, when I read that, I thought it made Tim Allen sound snooty. Maybe. Because it was like, it said, it stated the reason was because scheduling conflicts, but it was also because he wasn't impressed with the script. I don't think he would have done it justice anyways. He wouldn't have. It almost feels like this role was made for Robin Williams. I just think it's so interesting in, especially in like the 90s and 80s, these weird casting things that led to a certain person playing the role. And it all it always just seemed like it worked out perfectly. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of movies where there were things similar and then it just didn't work out as well. So, And we're only talking about the successful ones, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, either way, you done messed up, Tim Allen. No, because then Tim Allen went in to star in the Santa Claus, and that wouldn't have happened if yeah. he... So it all worked out. It's not like that he missed out and lost a career because of it. Tim Allen was obviously still, I think, very successful. So, But I think Mrs. Doubtfire is better than the Santa Claus and Home Improvement. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we watch the trailer? Yeah, let's do okay. it. This marriage is ending. My marriage is not ending. It's just on hiatus. To put his family back together, Daniel Hillard needed a job. Do you have any special skills? I do voices. Yes! Nancy and I are still looking for the other half of my head. Look at me right now, Manipane. One time do that bow and get to know you. Mr. Hillard, do you consider yourself humorous? I used to. And a decent home for his kids. How do you like it? Can't you just tell Mom you're sorry? But he found a way. I'm placing an ad for a housekeeper. Housekeeper? 
Could you make me a woman? To have both. Wow. Let's pray. No. You for Janaya don't fire. Papa's got a brand new bag. He's still the same old dad, only better. Dinner is served, madam. Wow. I'd love to get reacquainted. Can't you see the lust in that man's eyes? Action's a little kind of muddled, that. Really? Well, so is your tan. <laughs> the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. This holiday season. Surprise. Robin Williams. Mm. Sally Field. Who needs a husband when I've got you? In a Chris Columbus film, Back off! Mrs. Doubtfire. God, it's hot in here. A father's work <laughs> is never done. Oh, oh. First, here's a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. All right, well, obviously, the trailer doesn't give much away, but. No, I mean, it gives the gist of the movie away, which is all it's supposed to do but this also isn't like a super twisty turny movie mystery what's funny is when you're a kid you think miranda hillard is really mean yeah and then when you're an adult you're kind of like well he was really immature and really not a great partner to her yeah and watching it again as an adult i appreciate that the growth is his like he does grow yeah but he had to grow she had to basically divorce him in order for him to grow. Yeah. So. And that leads into one of my other fun facts about the extended scenes and stuff. Uh, one of the extended scenes takes place at the Bridges restaurant. Basically, the scenes included a scene where Daniel and Miranda fight at Lydia's spelling bee competition and a confrontation scene with Miranda and Daniel's identity or when after Daniel's identity is revealed at the restaurant, he recovers later and comes back home to the family so in at least one cut of the film they end up back together and i actually when i was watching it yesterday i actually really appreciate that they didn't end up back together yeah i think they both needed to grow separately and i think that that kind of helps cement the the message of the film that like you don't things don't always have to be perfect in the end but there's as long as there's love and everything, then it'll be okay. I do think it was unnecessary for her to go after the kids for custody, though, because there was never any denying that he was a good dad. Right. Yeah. Like his children adored him. Absolutely. And I think that that was like the important part at the end was that like she didn't need him, but the kids needed him. Mm-hmm. And he's a good dad, but he's not a good husband. Right. But also, I I like that throughout the story he you can see him learning and bettering himself yeah he learns to take better care of himself he learns to take better care of his residents like he learns to cook and like he just becomes he grows and i like that yeah i like that too it's really hard to pick a favorite scene i feel like the whole movie is really great i don't think there are really any bad scenes yeah i mean they it's almost i don't know how much of that this is true but it's like they just set robin williams free on set and they he did. just like 
went crazy. So I have a fun fact about that, actually. Let me find it. So Chris Columbus was amazed how far Robin Williams took his performance. First, he played each scene as scripted two to three times and then was allowed to improvise or playing as Williams called it. Columbus allowed Williams a lot of improvisation because that was where the film's funniest material came from. In fact, Columbus called it magical at times. They even filmed a PG version, a PG-13 version, and a rated R version. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, but he really, Chris, I think that that's where I also would compliment Chris Columbus is that he allowed Robin Williams to kind of make the role his own. Yeah. And a lot of that material that made it to the final film was because he allowed improvisation and didn't make him stick to a script. Yeah. I th- I think that, yeah, it just, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I think that that does work a lot of the time for comedians. It's funny when it becomes conflict, like it did in uh, Four Christmases, where you've got somebody who's not a comedian or not an improv specialist or mm-hmm. something, and it just doesn't, it just clashes. Yeah, I'm not totally sure Robin Williams would have been Reese Witherspoon's cup of tea. Yeah, probably not. But he also probably wouldn't have made her try to improvise. Yeah. He would have just improvised around her. Yeah. But that there were a lot of scenes where that happened and the cast is reacting in real time. And so you're capturing the cast's reactions. Like when Mrs. Doubtfire loses her teeth in the glass of champagne, (laughs) that wasn't supposed that wasn't planned. And so the reaction from the cast was genuine yeah they were genuinely shocked that his teeth fell out so a lot of things that were not necessarily planned yeah and i definitely know that robin williams sort of like embodied this role i think that was something that he tended to do was just like really get into roles and stuff yeah and first of all the makeup for mrs doubtfire apparently took four hours to apply which Mm -hmm. is not the longest in compared to some of the other movies we've talked about like the grinch and stuff but Williams later talked about how he used to walk through San Francisco dressed in the full makeup and costume as Mrs. Doubtfire and on one occasion actually went to a sex shop to buy a large dildo and other toys. (laughs) That's awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Old ladies gotta satisfy their needs too. So kind of piggybacking off of your getting genuine reactions and stuff, uh, Chris Columbus actually stated in a 2015 interview that they shot with multiple cameras at once, like shooting a documentary, to capture the cast member's reaction to William's improv. The restaurant scene was one in particular where they were getting people genuine reactions. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I also, speaking on the improvisation and Chris Columbus giving Robin Williams free reign, Mm -hmm. his improvisation basically led to occasionally numerous references to works that were basically a legal headache for the movie to clear. So the scene where Daniel speaks with his wife and refers to her clothing as this lovely dances with wolves motif required legal clearance for the studio to put in the film. Associate producer Paula Dupree Pesman later kept track of every reference William made while improv improvising. So that's, I guess the other thing is there are a lot of references to other things that come up in his improvisation and to avoid a lawsuit they basically had to either remove them or try to get every single one cleared to be used in the film wow so you think a film like this which is family friendly comedic would be easy to film but it sounds like there was a lot of labor put into it yeah they shot scenes 15 to 22 times sometimes because robin williams needed to quote work it out of his system hmm. which makes me wonder if he was a little ocd 
probably you know needing to like bit. work it out of his system so yeah. yeah i mean imagine how many scenes are in the film and shooting those 15 to 22 times each yeah. it's quite a bit of work I wish I would have had some more information about like what the cast thought of him and stuff. I've never really heard any like negative stuff about him. I know him. Mara Wilson had a wonderful had wonderful things to say about him when she when he died and just mm. being a child actor. Yeah. And having him treat her with courtesy and be be kind to her and be funny to her and try and make her laugh. Yeah. I, one of the fun facts that popped up while I was watching the movie was in the movie, Robin Williams gets divorced and becomes the nanny. But in real life, Robin Williams divorced his wife and married the nanny. Yikes. Yeah. Not scandalous. Not the best. Look, he was married three times and those marriages all seemed to last. Well, except for the last one, he married his widowed wife in 2011. So they were only married for three years, but the other ones were like 21 years or 10 years and stuff mm -hmm. so they were not insignificant yeah i just i think i was actually having a conversation with a coworker today about relationships in the spotlight because her daughter is play, uh, playing playing <laughs> her daughter is dating an nfl player and just like the struggles that they go through in their relationship just being even semi in the spotlight and I was talking about how I always think it's really impressive whenever I find an actor or actress who's been married to the same person for like 30 years or something like that. Just because I, it can't be easy. No. Just people suck. <laughs> and just trying to have a relationship when everyone feels like they're entitled to have an opinion on your relationship is just... It's hard enough being in a regular relationship when nobody's giving their input. Oh, people give input. It's just not oh, yeah. random strangers on the internet. It's true. people that are close to you. True. So everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. So what were some of the scenes that stood out to you? I think obviously the one where he goes to his brother and says, well, can you make me a woman? And they, yeah, they put him in and all the whole different... montage of yeah. him singing Don't Rain on My Parade. Matchmaker, matchmaker. I've <laughs> been singing that all morning. <laughs> Fiddler on the roof. Yeah. The scene that I quote probably once a week at least is the scene when the court liaison is at his house. Hello. Hello. That's actually. So another fun fact is Tyler Perry actually based Medea, his character, off of Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, interesting. Where she says hello. Oh. It's based off of that scene. Interesting. So, I did not know that. Yeah. And then me and Rachel quote the help is on the way, dear, <laughs> all the time at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, too. Whenever, like, if somebody's in a bay and they're like, can somebody come here? We're always like, help is on the way, dear. Do you run like that, too? No. Okay. I don't, like, parkour over anything. Yeah. <laughs> over the laundry bins and stuff. <laughs> I thought the dynamic between Pierce Brosnan and, like, Mrs. Doubtfire was funny, too, when he's... yeah. Like, oh, your accent's a little muddled. She's like, yes, like you're tan. And yeah. like just the the sheer just when she throws lemon at his head or lime at his head. Yeah. It was a run by fruiting. You know, those <laughs> kinds of things. I think Robin Williams did try to break Pierce Brosnan's concentration during the scene where he chokes on the shrimp. He's yeah. making sexual innu innuendos then. Yeah. But also, I found it really interesting that Stu was actually supposed to be a really villainous character. He was supposed oh. to want to send the kids off to military school and just be like an asshole who wanted Miranda for himself. Mm. But they realized once they cast the role that 
they wanted him to actually be the perfect thing that she was looking for that was the opposite of daniel right and i i think that that ended up working out much better because Stu doesn't have any like bad intentions or anything and it shows that daniel's animosity towards him is just because it's his family pure insecurity right and insecurity and everything so not because he's actually a bad guy because even in that scene where he insults Daniel by calling him a loser. He doesn't insult his family. Like the guy's like, but she has three kids. And he's like three amazing kids. I'm crazy about them. Yeah. Which is yeah, super sweet. And you know, he's not wrong. At yeah. least in the beginning of the movie, Daniel was kind of a loser. And this movie actually set Pierce Brosnan's like career off because he wasn't a big prospect for James Bond and he didn't think it was going to come through. And Chris Columbus wrote like a really good reference letter for him. Oh, that's cool. Which ended up getting him the part. And so I did see a joke like on, cause I like took sometimes watch back clips that I enjoy from the film and mm-hmm. the run by fruiting scene. Someone commented like that wouldn't James Bond wouldn't have let anyone throw a lime at his head. <laughs> no one would have survived throwing a lime at James Bond's head. Yeah. My mom used to, love pierce brosnan he's He's, very cute he's a very handsome man i didn't realize he was irish yeah yeah that's why he was in that in the movie the foreigner he plays a leader of irish rebellion or something i know well i know that or an irish when i actually learned that so i studied abroad in ireland in nursing school and in the airport in ireland in dublin they have a bunch of like celebrities faces that are irish and his face was on there. And I was like, he's Irish? Because his accent isn't like typic, typical Irish. Like he doesn't sound like I a I think leprechaun. because it, in most of the time he may be playing like a British actor or something yeah. like that. Not necessarily. But I think I, I think you hear I've it a seen, lot in The Foreigner. That's the Jackie Chan one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen that. I think I only saw you it kill once, my though. daughter. Prepare to die. That's pretty much what happens Jeez, in that movie. That's sad. That's what happens in that movie. I know. My dad loves that movie. Any Jackie Chan movie. I need to watch it again. It's really good. Yeah, anyways, I just, I feel like I've seen interviews with him and he just doesn't have like that very typical Irish accent. But I don't know. Should we call him and ask him? Yeah. Are you sure you're Irish? (laughs) (laughs) You don't sound Irish. Your accent sounds a little muddled. Yeah, you're not Irish enough. (laughs) Be more Irish. Like we're a lot of He does sound a little British in this film. Yeah. A lot old British. A lot old British. <laughs> <laughs> because he's supposed to be from Britain. Yeah. He asks Mrs. Doubtfire where she's from. Yeah. So. So I think I am always up for a 90s montage of some kind. So the montage of him cleaning the house with yeah. the song. Dude looks like a lady. Yeah. Dude looks like a lady. And obviously the part where he is unsuccessfully cooking is hilarious. Yeah. I also thought it was funny. I mean, the part where his son catches him peeing. He's like, he's a she. She's She's a a he. he." he. And (laughs) then he comes in and is trying to explain his Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm not who you think I am. And he's like, no shit. And he's like, watch your mouth, young man. Like in his dad. He's like, careful. I'll hit you. And he's like, in the balls. She has those. She's got everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think that there are certain things about, like there are certain lines and stuff that probably wouldn't be kosher today. Like when he's, pretending to be a bunch of awful people applying for the job before he like goes the one in for where the, kill. the one where he's like hold on and he like screams like really uh, loudly and she's like oh my gosh yeah. yeah or the one where he's like oh i don't i don't do males because i used to be one 
Yeah, or when you look at it in the context of a man dresses up as a woman to trick his wife, yeah. ex-wife into hiring him as a nanny. Mm-hmm. In this climate, it would just be like, that's fucking twisted. That's very bizarre. Whereas yeah. like in the 90s and, and during this film, it was kind of like endearing that he yeah. cared about his kids so but much. Also- because they even mention it in the movie because the judge takes away his access to his kids at the end of the movie because they make it seem like it's some deviant behavior and stuff. But there was never anything malicious about it. No. Like there's no, never any inclination that he's being creepy or weird or like he said, likes he said he says in the movie, like, you know, I don't like dressing up like this, but it's my only way that I can be with you. and. So even in the context of the movie, I feel like if you're trying to make it weird, then you're doing that on your own because there's never anything weird about it. Yeah. And it was based off of a book and the book was supposed to be much darker. Yeah. The book is darker than the film. Yeah. The book has a lot more serious notes. The film was kind of lighthearted. Which is good. That's what makes it awesome. Yeah. It's just it's a classic. This movie is great. I love it. Apparently, there was a sequel that ended up getting canceled. Yeah. Well, the sequel was in talks. Yeah, and they actually wrote a script, and then they had to rewrite it because Robin Williams didn't like the script, and so it just kind of got caught up. But they had it, there was no sequel to the book. Yeah, so there's, they, there's no sequel to the book, and the talk of a sequel to the movie began in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then the rewrites began in, like, 2006. Six. Yeah. And... The film was expected to be released in late 2007, but they had further skip script problems and the sequel was declared scrapped in mid-2006. The sequel story was really said to involve Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire moving close to his daughter's college so he could keep an eye on her. Serious discussions regarding the sequel reignited in April 2014 with an announcement that Williams and Chris Columbus would be teaming up with Fox 2000 Pictures to produce the sequel. Williams' sudden death just four months later ultimately sealed the project's fate once and for all, and no one replaced him, so, right. which I'm happy with. And Robin I'm not Wh- happy, obviously, with death, but I'm happy that they right. didn't try to recast Mrs. Doubtfire. No, you can't. I feel like you can't. Mm-mm. And I hope they don't. I hope this doesn't fall Be into a remake. the... remake. Yeah, yeah, I hope they don't try to remake it because there's nothing other than like taking out a few lines that wouldn't be kosher if it was made today. I don't think there's anything that needs to be improved on in this all the performances are fantastic yeah the whole cast is great yeah and i i thought it was really interesting that robin williams actually came up with this character based off his nanny when he was younger Mm -hmm. and he that's how he characterized it her name was lolly Hmm. and she was found in a they tracked her down to a michigan nursing home and basically reporters and photographers flocked to the little town and she was like really weirded out by this new celeb by her new celebrity status and the reporters found out lolly had in fact been a nanny to other hollywood celebrities and as a result the local newspaper in the british tabloids ran a story of lolly with a heading the real mrs doubtfire Hmm. i actually have a little bit more information on the sequel because robin williams spoke about it a few times in 2006 he said the script they had just didn't work. The sequel story involved Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire moving closer to Lydia's college so that he can keep an eye on her, which that's kind of moving more into the like the creepy territory. So I'm glad that they didn't do anything like that. 
And then in 2011, he said they could never write it. They kept trying and it doesn't work because at the end of the first one, they revealed who Mrs. Doubtfire is. So it ends up being her for five minutes and then she transitions into some old Russian woman. So they they so far can't crack it. It's pretty interesting. I'm happy they didn't do a sequel. Honestly. I know. Me too. Sometimes you, movies don't need sequels. If you've listened to the podcast at all, you know how me and Rita feel about unnecessary sequels. If a movie is like standalone, then just leave it be yeah and that was actually i was talking to hale yesterday because me and rita went to go see the new avatar on friday and hale went to go see it yesterday today's sunday so we were talking about it and i was like really my only complaint about the movie was spoiler alert no i'm not gonna spoil anything okay was just that i felt like there was a lot of a lot of things that were set up that weren't paid off in this movie. So it ended up feeling a little bit like, not that it wasn't a standalone movie, but there was a lot of stuff that they were leaving open for a sequel. Yeah, but they're having like five sequels. I know. They've already announced it. And I mean, I don't think they have any reason not to considering the success of the first one. And now this one's doing really well. I think there were a lot of doubts that this one would do really well. I don't know who the hell was doubting. Doubters. Because, because apparently there's like this thing online where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's seen Avatar, but nobody knows the name of the main characters, which is, I, I don't think that's true. I that's know that, not true. I, know I knew the name of some of the main characters. Yeah, but that they're just all like very not memorable, which, again, I think is an overstatement. I think that it's just kind of like something that picked up steam on the Internet. I honestly never realized there was there are groups of people who didn't like Avatar. I just yeah. thought everybody liked Avatar because I liked right. it. Yeah, not. I didn't think everybody liked it because I liked it. I just thought it was such a phenomenon that yeah. it was weird when I discovered that there are a lot of people actually who hate the film. Which, like, I don't know. Why do you have enough time in your life to hate a movie? I don't know. Like, just don't like it and just move on with your life. Some people don't have lives. Get a life. Get a life. Anyways, that's not the movie we're talking about today. Yeah. And this was actually Mara Wilson's film debut. I thought it was Matilda. Really? Oh, she was younger in this one. Yeah, you mm -hmm. can kind of tell. But, but yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, it made sense. But yeah. when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. But Matilda was the first film I saw her in. I think so. Well, I don't know. I don't know the order that I saw them in. I probably saw this one first. But mm -hmm. I def Matilda's the first one I remember her from. Yeah. And now I watch this one and I'm like, oh, it's the girl from Matilda. Yeah. Another interesting fact is that the address that Miranda gives in the movie is a true address to a house, mm -hmm. 2640 Steiner Street in San Francisco, California. So I looked it up because I was like, how much is this house now? Is it the, is it the actual house? It's the actual house. The oh. actual house became a tourist attraction after Robin Williams' death. I did see that. And this is the actual house. It's obviously like you can click on the pictures in Zillow and see the inside. It's obviously more modernized mm -hmm. than it was back then in the 90s. But it's the Zestimate is $5.5 million right now. Jesus. And if you go through like the history of the house, you can kind of see what it would have been like back then because it yeah. was built in 1893. Ooh. So it's a pretty old house. Yeah. But even in the 90s, they would have had to have spent just under maybe a million because it was sold in 97 at 1.3 million. Mm. And the movie came out in 93. So you have to, so if she, what, whatever she was doing, she had to be making a substantial amount of money to well, pay a mortgage. She was in like ads or something, right? Yeah, but think about it. In the 90s, she they were a single income home. 
well, living. He was, he was an actor, but, but he was like bouncing back. It wasn't lucrative though. Yeah. And then they have three kids. Like it's, and then she could hire a nanny. That's wild. She would have yeah. probably not been able to afford that house in present day. No. With a job like that. No. I just found that interesting. The 90s were a wild time. <laughs> I did think it was funny. I miss funny. the 90s so much. I did think it was funny that that scene where Robin Williams is, or Daniel is meeting with his boss to talk about the potential for him having his own show and stuff. And he's like, are you wearing lipstick? Are you wearing ladies perfume? He's like, yeah, I just, you know, I met an old flame and his boss is like, does she have a girlfriend? And he's like, who knows? It's the nineties. <laughs> I thought you meant the part where he watches them. Like, and he's like, Brontosaurus, I eat wood. No, 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 no. It tastes good. No meat, big feet. I eat wood. Yeah. Yeah, I sing that sometimes to myself. But phenomenal film. There are tons more fun facts I'm sure we could get through. Yeah, I'm sure we could go on forever. And then if we got into like just Robin Williams himself, then we'll both probably just start crying again. Stop. Don't bring it up. So Robin Williams said that the bodysuit that he wore was made out of span, made out of, so quote, made out of like spandex and beans. It's like a walking beanbag chair, <laughs> which I found to be pretty funny. And then I'm sure they had a stunt coordinator for when her breasts catch on fire. Yeah. And he's like, in my first day as a woman, I'm already having hot flashes. Yeah. Because I'm just wondering how that all went down. There In that scene specifically when he was cooking, there was originally a metal spoon in one of the dishes. And Robin Williams like grabbed it and was like, shit, when he burned himself. Mm-hmm. And they thought he was just acting and they realized he actually did burn himself on the metal spoon. So they replaced the metal spoon with a wooden one, which is why he they have Mrs. Doubtfire actually just pick up the pot and burn herself that way mm. because or, you know, burn himself that way. Yeah. They thought of everything. And he drew on his real life divorce from his first wife for some of the dramatic scenes. He also made this movie in honor of the fact that he did. He couldn't spend a lot of time with his children. Oh, so, that's sad. Yeah. I think that this role, the reason that this film is, it's funny. Right. But it's also heartwarming because yeah. it's a dad who really loves his kids and will go to any lengths to be with them. Yeah. And I think Robin Williams drew on the fact of his own life experiences for that, which is why his role, his performance was so genuine. Yeah. <laughs> Great story, bro. No, I was just thinking about it. It just, I don't know. Something about Robin Williams just always just hits me right in the feels yeah he just seems like a very genuine person obviously i don't know him i don't know what he was like behind the scenes and stuff he just always seemed like the kind of guy who just wanted to make people laugh yeah and i mean he did a good job in this film i don't know anybody that hates this film right yeah me either well i'm and sure this they're was... out there just like the avatar haters <laughs> i know right <laughs> maybe i'm just too uh what is that word? Naive. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, wow, people hate Avatar. But yeah, this was also a first time for Robin Williams to produce a film. So he's a producer oh, on this film. Very cool. His first production credit. And I did also see that it was nominated for a bunch of awards. So I kind of wanted to go over what awards it was nominated for and what it won on. All right. So it won Best Makeup at the Academy Awards. And then at the 51st Golden Globe Awards, it won Best Picture and then Robin Williams won Best Actor. In the 1994 Kids' Choice Awards, Favorite Movie Actor was won by Robin Williams. And in 1994 MTV Movie Awards, Best Male Performance was won by Robin Williams. And Best Comedic Performance was won by Robin Williams. 
In 2000, the American Film Institute placed the film on its 100 Years 100 Laughs list, where it was ranked number 67. So I thought, it, you know, it garnered quite a bit of awards. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we fall into these nostalgia traps where we're just like, yeah, that movie's great. But then you like look at it and it was like a flop. You're talking about Disney Channel original movies. Yeah. And just like (laughs) in general, just like movies that were maybe popular with us. You learn that they just weren't necessarily that popular and you're looking at them with nostalgia glasses. But this was not that way. This movie was critically acclaimed. It was hugely successful at the box office. It was just overall a hit. Yeah. So I found it like really funny. I was just watching some of the scenes and thinking about the practicality of it. Like an old woman going behind into a kitchen Mm -hmm. and blatantly putting like something on food and nobody noticing like when he puts the pepper on the food yeah, yeah, yeah. and also like Stu going out to eat when he's allergic to pepper it's like um well no but you're not anaphylactic but then again neither is he because it looked like he choked choked. it was not an allergic reaction (laughs) a shrimp popped out of his mouth and he's also like like, why would you give the heimlich for an allergic reaction anyways well he was doing like choking behavior not like anaphylactic exactly though but he said i'm allergic to pepper yeah which like see people are allergic to pepper even though that wasn't that was an allergic reaction reaction. so i don't know i want to know i don't know because it wasn't like sally and Stu like broke up after that you know it was like no yeah what what had came of their story that would be interesting and like did daniel like I think he made he, amends with her. Yeah, I think Pierce Brosnan was in talks for the second one, so I would imagine that it pro- they probably would have been married yeah. or something in the in the sequel if it had ever come to fruition. I also I've always really liked Miranda's reaction when she finds oh, out it's him. It's just like, it's oh so genuine. She's the like, flux- I have to go the fluctuation the whole time the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> she's just like I have to go. We have to go. And yeah. She's just like panicking. I just think that's like such a genuine reaction. Like <laughs> that's a lot of Tina people would be Belcher like, and Bob's Burgers. They'd be like, <laughs> Daniel, oh my god, and it, that would be it. But I think like the rapidly fluctuating emotions for her is just it makes it seem so genuine. Like that's how it would be. You'd be it's like so surprised. Sad. It, you'd be like confused and then surprised and then angry. And I just, I thought that was, it's just, I always liked it. it. I feel really bad for her. Yeah. Because she really grew to be close and, you know, confide in Mrs. Doubtfire and like really yeah. grew to trust her. And so that was probably so difficult. Like even at the end when the kids are like, we miss Mrs. Doubtfire because I know it was. And e- even she's like, I know, but she's not real. Yeah. But I also think that part of that was because Mrs. Doubtfire was everything that Daniel should have been as a as a father. Right. She was all of his best features. Yeah. So, and I think that that was part of what helped him grow as a person and as a parent was like seeing that this is what his kids needed and what yeah. and what Miranda needed him to be. Yeah. I just felt really bad for her. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, as a kid, I was like, she's Maine. Yeah. But then as an adult, I'm kind of like, wow, she really had, she had it hard. Yeah. And it's like now when my mom would, thinking back on when my mom would be upset about chores not being done, just when like chores wouldn't be done or 
homework wouldn't be done or we'd just be like causing a mess or the house would be a mess or something when my mom would come home from work and she'd just looking back on it now the fact that she would like work five days a week and then come home and make dinner and do all of this stuff like yeah it's just it's really hard to appreciate that as a kid and now as somebody who works and then comes home and has to make dinner for myself I realized that there's just days when I just don't fucking want to yeah and you're like oh why was mom always so pissed when I didn't take the meat out of the freezer and now you're yeah. like oh I'm yeah. pissed yeah. about that absolutely well and it's crazy how the film has like a contrast it starts with a birthday and ends with a birthday so yeah in the beginning they're throwing Chris that well, he throws Chris that extravagant birthday party that he was not supposed to because of his failing grades. Yeah. And then they end with them celebrating Miranda's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the chaos in Miranda's life is always surrounded by birthdays. True. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say about this movie. I, I love it. And I love this man. The woman or the man? Do Robin, you love Mrs. Robin, Doubtfire? Robin Williams. Okay. Yeah. And honestly... Like I said, there's not a single person in the film that's a bad actor. Even right. little Natalie. Yeah, even the kids are great. The kids are really, really great. Like when the reveal happens when he's like, watch your mouth, young man. And Lydia's literally like, dad. Like her face, the realization that it's her dad was so well done. Yeah, yeah. Just brilliant. And then, brilliant. And then Natalie at the end when she's like, daddy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's all just it's all great. Beautiful. Just all around. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Obviously, Robin Williams steals the show. It's his show. Yeah. It's Mrs. Doubtfire's show. Yeah. But watching back through all the versions he could have been, it's actually really funny how they ended on that. It was just funny that that they went through all of those other... Costumes? Yeah, or like characters mm -hmm. or something. Even though he's already interviewed and like he should have just told his like brother and them like, this is the voice that I did. This is the name. Like, we need to make something that fits this. Because, like, the one that looks like Barbara Streisand or the, like, Hispanic one or something, I'm like, yeah. those are never going to be your little English old lady yeah. soft-spoken. So, like, why yeah. didn't we go older be in the beginning? Yeah. I mean, they did for the matchmaker, matchmaker. Yeah. And the well, Barbara Streisand one, they had to teach. Robin Williams didn't know the words to don't rain on my parade, which I thought was pretty funny because I yeah. feel like everybody knows the words to don't rain on my parade. I, pro I probably couldn't do it word for word but I, but you know like when it starts with don't tell me not to live just sit and putter like everybody knows that it's just yeah classic yeah so should we get into rating this thing or do you have more fun facts i don't okay so why don't you start so for funny i gave this a nine i gave it a nine yeah i think like it's very funny mm -hmm. it does not hit me in the funny bone the way that like just friends does where right. i laugh at like yeah. every scene that's because like, we have dumb humor yeah for acting i gave it an eight i actually gave it a 10 i can see a 10 i just it wasn't like silence of the lambs level like yeah why dramatic i acting thought you told stuff. me not to make those comparisons i know but i was just thinking i was like what's something that i w that i gave a 10 and it was it like i said everyone's performances were fantastic but it wasn't like Wow, this is this is cinema. Agree to disagree, but that's fair. Anyways. That's totally fair. Story, I gave it an eight. I gave it a ten. Damn, well, that was a good film. I guess I'm back to my like <laughs> being a schmuck. I gave it a ten. Ratings. I thought it was a great story. Yeah, I mean for that time, it just is so original. It's such an original story. Yeah, 
you know, there were so many like Freaky Fridays and Parent Traps and stuff like that that came out in the 90s that this one was just so original, standalone, very thoughtful. I still don't think there's been anything really like this. No. All right. And And I guess, yeah, if I think about it, there's no like loose ends or unnecessary fluff or anything. No. And the ending is exactly what it needs to be. Like you said, they don't get back together. Yeah. But they're both happy. Right. And on good and they've terms. Re- and then they've reached an agreement that works out for both of them. Right. And then effects. Fair. You know what? I want to rescore mine. <laughs> for what? <laughs> for, for all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, what did you give effects? I gave it a six. Well, I gave it a nine because <laughs> of the makeup. It was really just the makeup. And that was, I don't know. It was just I couldn't think of any effects other than the makeup. What? <laughs> like unhappy with all of my scores now. Don't change your scores. That's the whole fun of it is that we're not going to have the same scores. Right. And it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So what was your final? It just makes, I don't want people to listen to my scores and think I didn't like this movie. There are probably <laughs> people that have similar scores. Okay. That liked this movie. And that's that was the one thing was like, I thought I was giving pretty good scores, but my final average was 7.75. And I remember, like I saw that, I was like, oh, that's low. It's not really, it's still good. Yeah. I Mine was a 9.5. Yeah. So this is a really good film. I could look it up on Rotten Tomatoes and see what it got on Rotten Tomatoes. I think for... it's a 70%. Yeah. So, and I think it has a fresh score. Yeah. So I think that's totally fine. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to come stab you over no, that. No, and I just, I don't know. It's not like everybody listening to this is going to, like, there's a ton of people that are going to come at me with like fucking pitchforks and shit but okay. i love this movie like, it actually I has a 70 percent oh i nailed it and then a 77 percent for the audience score so, so it's right on yeah so it's exactly what it needs to be in terms of i just gave it a little bit more because i'm elite <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i think that this movie is fantastic yeah i love it and it warms my heart every time i watch it and pretty much every robin williams movie just like warms my heart i I just he was a very special man and i've talked about it in the past where comedians tend to have like a shtick that eventually gets old and i don't think his ever did yeah exactly i think it was just it was so genuine and heartfelt that it just it really resonated with a lot of people and i just hope we're able to do it justice do him justice in these episodes coming up oh yeah I think we will, as long as we stop crying. Yeah. David got teary, too. I may have (laughs) outwardly cried, but David was trying to swallow those tears back. Yeah. I've had a lot more practice swallowing my tears. (laughs) All right. Well, the next film is a surprise. Yeah. Because we don't even know. Yeah, we don't even know yet. (laughs) We are trying to coordinate to get another guest on the show. Another two. Another two guests. Yeah, sorry. So depending on the our schedules and their schedules and how it lines up the films are going to come out in some kind of order that we don't know yet so we do know what eight movies we're doing but we just don't know what order we're doing them in yet it's going to be a surprise for you and it's going to be a surprise for us oh yeah thank you so much for listening to this episode and we will see you next week all right Bye. bye Can I get a mimosa?